Hello and welcome back to the Church of Jesus Christ Study Session with Come Follow Me. I'm your host Matthew Roberts and this is Season 4, Episode 201 and 2 of this Daily Study Podcast. Thank you so much for joining us once again today. Uh, we are going to begin our study finally of this week's Come Follow Me materials. Uh, you, we missed an episode yesterday, so it'll be a bit of a longer one today, but I do want to make sure we get enough time uh, to cover this book of Esther. Uh, Esther, which we are studying in July the 25th to July the 31st. Um, this is one of, again, a very well-known story uh, in the Old Testament and one that um, is important for us to learn a lot of principles from um, to the point that I'm not going to use the um, I'm not going to use the usual pattern that we do by studying each of the sections in the come for me manual at a time because it kind of goes back and forth in the story um, so I'm going to just go through the story chronologically uh, and we'll pick out the uh, the principles as we go along rather than identifying each principle, going through those verses, then going back through the story, and but going back through those principles. Uh, I feel like it's probably the most simple way of doing this. Uh, to begin with, uh, Sister Anne C. Pingree, which this quote is in the Come, Follow Me manual, uh, she says, quote, To become an instrument in the hands of God is a great privilege and sacred responsibility. Wherever we live, whatever our circumstances, no matter our marital status or age, The Lord needs each one of us to fulfill our unique part in building his kingdom in this final dispensation. Close quote. This is uh, an important principle that we learn in the whole story of of Esther. Um, And one thing to point out here is that we don't, this is the only book of uh, scripture uh, in the Old Testament or the only story that we're going to study that doesn't mention God. The, the name of God. Um, and I, this is something I hadn't realised until studying this for the, uh, this time round, is that so far we've learned about Israel's connection to the Lord, the covenant that he has made with them, how he doesn't forget them and all these things. Well, this story takes place right at the far end of the chrono- chronology of the Old Testament, uh, probably the, the most latest story that we have in this uh, book of scripture, because in the next section or the next chapters, we're going to be going back um, in the chronology of the history of the Israelites um, and looking at some specific teachings from prophets and other things like that and and, and other individuals um, in this time. So this is um, an important moment that we're looking where the the people of Judah are still scattered uh, and this is this takes place in the land of Persia. And because it doesn't mention God, uh, it's actually in some Bibles, uh, some versions of the Bible, this story does not take place um, because it was questioned whether it was just a story from far away that was uh, handed down as a legend or 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 even if it did happen, it wasn't related to, you know, the, the work of the Lord with his children, Israel. Um, but I, I'm glad that we have uh, this um, story in our in our canon because there is when you look the Lord is there He is present in so many places and we'll keep an eye out for that as well. So let's make a start then uh, in the Book of Esther. Now we've had a little bit of context around it. Um, this first chapter in Esther we actually don't have Esther at all, um, but I think that there is another person that we learn a lot from. Now. The king of Persia and, and, and the Medes and the Persians at this time is Ahasuerus. I think you pronounce that that way. I could have made that completely wrong. Uh, but he is the king at this time. 
and he is having a feast uh, with um, his uh, princes and his servants. Uh, he's basically showing off his kingdom. And this um, this feast is not just a, you know, a week-long thing, which we've read sometimes with various uh, celebrations and things like that, or even a month-long thing. It's uh, 180 days, uh, this feast. A hundred and four score, which is four times 20 days. Uh, so, you know, we're, we're talking a, a big feast. Um, and after this 180 days, which is intense, the king makes a feast uh, for all that were present, both great and the small, seven days in the guard, in the course of the garden of the king's palace. Uh, a very lavish affair. And they are drinking uh, a lot. Um, and finally, um, we get to the near the end of this feast. Um, and on the seventh day in verse 10, it says, when the heart of the king was merry, he commanded the seven chamberlains that served in the presence of the king to bring Vashti the queen, the queen before the king with the crown royal to shew the people and the princes her beauty, for she was fair to look on. Now, there is some discussion and debate about what this actually means. Did this mean that um, the king just wanted the queen to come in and just be there and show how beautiful she was? The fact that it mentions that she wants him her to come with the crown suggests maybe only the crown and perhaps that there is um, some immoral um, uh, request being given here by the king to his wife. Um, or it could just be that um, just the embarrassment of being called in by a drunken husband before all these drunken princes is a problem. But in verse 12, whatever the reason was, it says, The Queen Vashti refused to come in at the king's commandments by his chamberlains. Therefore, the king was very wroth and his anger burned in him. Now, what happens next is interesting because the king is angry um, with his, the rejection of his wife to this um, audacious request. Um, but then um, it's the king's advisers that make this problem worse in saying, then the king said to the wise men, which knew the times, um, what shall we do? And then in verse 15, what shall we do unto the queen Vashti according to the law? Because she have not performed the commandment of the king as a Ahasuerus by the chamberlains. And then in verse 16, um, it said that the, one of the wise men, and I say wise men, inverted commas, answers saying, Vashti the queen have not done wrong to the king only, but also to all the princes and to all the people that are in all the provinces of, of the king. For this deed of the queen shall come abroad unto all women, so that they shall despise their husbands in their eyes when it shall be reported. The king commanded Vashti the queen to be brought in before him, but she came not. Likewise shall the ladies of Persia and Media to this day unto all the king's princes which have heard the deed of the queen. Thus shall there arise too much contempt and wrath. So basically, um, the queen has rejected something you've told her to do. This can't get out without any punishments because otherwise other women in the land are going to think for themselves too. It does kind of paint a window and a picture into uh, just the... The, the poor standards uh, and equality that there was uh, at this time uh, with the, with the, with this people. But of course, this is what happens. The king uh, dismisses and divorces uh, the queen Vashti. And this is why we have a situation where the king is looking for a queen, a wife uh, from the land to take as his new wife. And this is where we now see um, Esther brought into the story. Um, this is... Um, and we also meet Mordecai, of course, as well. 
Mordecai uh, is uh, a Jew who was carried away captive from Jerusalem, along with all the rest of uh, the, Jew the Jewish people. Uh, when Nebuchadnezzar conquered the land, he is now uh, settled in Persia. And in verse 7, it says that he brings up Hadassah, that is Esther, his uncle's daughter, for she had neither father nor mother, and the maid was fair and beautiful, who Mordecai, when her father and mother were dead, took for his own daughter. So reading this, they are cousins, uh, and Mordecai is raising Esther uh, as his own child. Um, and this decree goes out to the land to bring all the, the eligible women forward, um, all the fair uh, women forward to be able to, for the king to decide who he wants to be his next queen. Uh, and this kind of uh, reminds you of like a fairy tale, which, um, you know, it, and this whole story, really, it's a kingdom far away. The king is looking for a bride and there's going to be a, a gathering of all the fair women in the land. You know, it, it does have a, a fairy tale um, like, um, feeling to it, I suppose, is the word I was, I was trying to think of then. Um, and so Mordecai uh, sends her forward. Um, sees this as an opportunity uh, for her to uh, have a better life, perhaps. But in verse 10, um, it says, Esther had not shewed her people nor her kindred, for Mordecai had charged her that she should not shew it. Uh, so, of course, the fact that she is a Jew, uh, he says to keep secrets. Now, this is obviously um, something which today, in terms of our... Uh, this is obviously a ethnicity perhaps that he is telling to keep hidden but i'm talking about a faith or religion here in terms of our faith you know we should obviously show our our faith and show our belief uh, to the world but of course this was a very different circumstance uh, mordecai knew that uh, there may be problems or, or her life may be put in danger uh, if she revealed that she was a jew at this stage and so um Esther follows the, the guidance of her cousin. But what I love about this um, is in verse, verse 11, uh, it says, And Mordecai walked every day before the court of the women's house to know how Esther did and what should become of her. Um, it's it's a sweet um, a sweet moment, really, where we realise that Mordecai doesn't just send her off and just hopes for the best. He goes every day to see how she's doing. Uh, he clearly clearly has a great love and compassion uh, for this, um, well, this, this, for want of a better word, daughter that he has raised. It's not his daughter, of course, but he has raised her like his own. Uh, and so there is great love and, and care and concern for his child there. And uh, clearly a great example for us, not just for us who are parents of our own children, but those of us that minister, that serve, that have stewardship uh, to other people. Um, that is all of us, of course, because all of us listening will probably have some sort of ministering responsibility or, of course, a calling responsibility. Um, so that is, uh, you know, a, again, an instructive moment for us. Um, so they go forward, uh, these these maids, uh, and each maiden goes to the king and Esther finds favour in the king's sight uh, and Esther is taken as a queen into the king's house. So... In verse 17, it says, And the king loved Esther above all the women, and she obtained grace and favour in his sights more than all the virgins, so that he set the royal crown upon her head and made her queen instead of Vashti. And again, let's not forget the example of Vashti. Uh, I don't think I spoke about this enough, actually, when I referred to it a few minutes ago. Uh, but Vashti, of course, loses a lot. She loses her entire livelihood. 
but she does it because she stood up for her standards and for her values. Uh, and I think that we would be um, wrong to miss the example and lesson we learn from Vashti um, and the great example that she is and was uh, to, uh, at that time as well. Uh, so uh, she's, uh, Esther is chosen as queen and she still does not reveal her lineage at this moment. And then at the end of chapter two, we come to a, um, a, an instance which only takes up three verses. So it'd be very easy to miss it if we're not studying this carefully. Uh, but this will actually have a huge impact later on as well. In verse 21, it says, in those days, while Mordecai sat in the king's gate, and I'm going to pause there. So obviously Esther is made queen now, um, clearly and surely she is going to be comfortable, safe, protected. In fact, probably one of the most protected people in the, in the entire kingdom. And yet Mordecai is still going there day by day at the king's gates to inquire after her and to check her, her welfare, which again, you know, are we, are we like that with those that we have stewardship and care for? Uh, but in verse 21, it says two of the king's chamberlains, and it names them uh, Big, Bigthan and Teresh, of those which kept the door were wroth and sought to lay hand on the king Ahasuerus. And the thing was known to Mordecai, who told it to Esther the queen, and Esther certified the king thereof in Mordecai's name. And when inquisition was made of the matter, it was found out. Therefore, they were both hanged on a tree, and it was written in the book of the Chronicles before the king. So this event, basically, Mordecai saves the king's life. He hears of a plot to kill the king uh, as he is waiting outside the gates or uh, to see Esther. He lets Esther know, and Esther informs the king, lets the king know that it was because of Mordecai, um, and his life is saved. Now, this obviously is a significant event, and it is one which is going to be uh, even more significant as the story goes on. Because in chapter 3, uh, we have, if this is a fairy tale, we have the villain uh, enter the story. And that is Haman, or Haman, um, who is one of the most senior advisors of the king uh, that he has in his court uh, and the king's servants uh, and all that were in the king's gates bowed and reverence Haman for the king had so commanded concerning him in verse 2 but Mordecai who is awaiting at the king's gate again uh, checking off the welfare of Esther and, and making sure that all is okay he does not bow or reverence him now in verse 3 and 4, it says, Then the king's servants which were in the king's gate said to Mordecai, Why transgressest thou the king's commandments? And in verse 4, it says, And it came to pass when they spake daily unto him, he hearkened not unto them, that they told Haman to see whether Mordecai's matters would stand, for he had told them he was a Jew. And when Haman saw that Mordecai bowed not, nor did him reverence, then was Haman full of wrath. Now, I'm going to pause at this point in the story itself and just consider uh, what is happening here. Haman is clearly thinks very much of himself. <laughs> uh, he clearly thinks so much of himself that he should have everyone bow before him. And when he sees that someone does not bow before him, um, he not only um, sees that as an offence to him, he also gets very angry. And what he's, we're going to see now is that this leads to a plot to kill not just Mordecai, because let's face it, he could have just ordered the death of Mordecai and that would have been perhaps dealt with. But no, he is so full of pride and so incensed that someone could dare not bow down to him. And he finds out that Mordecai is a Jew. And we don't have this conversation here about, you know, why he says he wouldn't bow. But I can guess 
that as he is a Jew and perhaps presumably is aware of the, the Ten Commandments and things like that, that Mordecai believes that he should not bow to Haman because that would indicate he has other gods before his own god. Haman sees this as a potential threat to his um, supposed status and power um, that as a Jew, Mordecai will not bow to him. Well, will that be the case with other Jews in the kingdom? Because they also would have the same beliefs and um, standards as, as Mordecai. So we then read of this proclamation that will go out about the Jews, which we'll consider and we'll read about tomorrow. But pride can have a great impact, not just on us individually, but on others around us. And so it is something which, whilst I'm sure that probably none of us walking around expecting others to bow to us, as Haman was, are there other aspects of our lives where there is pride, where we are not humble and, and teachable and listening uh, to the promptings of the Spirit? We're going to pause it there, uh, not at 20 minutes, because I do feel like that if we do a full 10 minutes every day, uh, then we are going to get through to the end of this story uh, very quickly uh, before the end of the week. And so quite a few things there. The example of Vashti, the example of Mordecai, the example of Haman, uh, or the non-example of Haman, I should probably say, um, and the event of saving the king's life that Mordecai um, enacts. I think that's plenty to be getting on with and reflecting on. So thank you so much for your study today. Thanks for sharing your time. And please do share your thoughts on this on the Facebook group and at Church Jesus Christ Study Session with Come Follow Me. Thank you very much for your time. And until we meet again.